This is the movie Hall of Fame. The Blomcast. The Blomcast. The films of Neil Blomkamp are the subject of today's show, and there he is across the table from me. The Yolandi to my ninja. It's Adam Hall. Happy go sucky fucky. We've lost all of our listeners. <laughs> Diantward, baby. Diantward. Diantward. Diantward, yeah. Hey, Adam. Hello. What 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 the hell are we doing here? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I've lost the thread a bit, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. This is, a, this is a stupid idea. Actually, it's not a stupid it's idea. It's a great idea. It's a funny idea. It's one of the great ideas we ever had. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a punishment pod, guys. For punishment no, pod. For no good reason. <laughs> yeah, punish. Yeah. I guess it was my idea, so I can't rag on it too much, but I didn't realize this would be the order. I thought I would give you your comeuppance first. Right. So here's the deal. Neil Blomkamp has a movie in theaters. It's called Gran Turismo, colon, based on a true story. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is lighting the cinemas on fire this summer. It is going to be the big hit of the summer. You think so? I think Barbie and Oppenheimer have no idea what's coming. <laughs> I think, you think Turismo mania. <laughs> Hear that? Vroom, vroom. The engines are revving. Oh, it's Nico being a longtime Gran Turismo fan. I feel the need for speed this summer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> need for speed starring Aaron Paul, by the way. <laughs> Fucking hell, these video game movies. Yeah, so Gran Turismo is coming out. We saw it ahead of time. We were a part of the audience guinea pigs. That's right. That got to see the movie early, and we have tales of that <laughs> coming for our Gran Turismo conversation a little bit later. Far more interesting than the movie itself, but we'll talk about that. I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, all right, this is finally the time to get on the record our thoughts on every Neil Blomkamp movie. Sure. So there's a neat five-sum of movies, including Gran Turismo. Mm -hmm. They are District 9, Elysium, Chappie, Demonic, and now uh, Gran Turismo. That's right. And, yeah, we're going to put one in the Movie Hall of Fame. I wonder which one it is. We're going to have some fun in the meanwhile. <laughs> talking about a guy that you don't care for that much, and I defend. I would say I straight up do not like. Yeah. I think there is a, a really good movie on this list. One kind of mediocre film, and the rest are hot garbage. Uh, Especially on rewatch. Boy, was that confirmed for me. With Was this shit hot garbage, my guy? <laughs> well, listen, history will look kindly on the guy that stood behind the pride and joy of South Africa. I see. Neil Blomkamp. <laughs> the pride and Not Charlize Theron, Neil Blomkamp. Certainly not Elon Musk anymore. Oh, I mean, yeah, it was at one point. They so need maybe, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hitch my wagon to Charlize. Thank you very much. South Africa needs a hero right now. Okay. <laughs> it has. It has the queen herself. Um, so, not this yeah. fucking bum. <laughs> so I, I rewatched all of these movies. I know you did as well. Mm -hmm. And after we get done with this, we're going to take a week off and then we're going to come back to a topic that you chose and that is the filmography of Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> yep. Another video game filmmaker of a sort. And more, more literally than this guy is. Right. Uh, but yeah, they're both video game 
guys. Yeah, I, I wonder if that experience will be as excruciating for me as this was for you. Man, I can tell you it wasn't even close. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the original conceit of this podcast, which was to highlight only the best of the best and to build a hall of fame of movies. Yeah. Might have lost sight of that a little bit. <laughs> Lately, That's okay. Watching these movies, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Here? <laughs> what yeah. happened to this podcast? Oh yeah, I agree. I was like <laughs> doing this, I'm like, oh God, no. <laughs> where are where are we now? It's just like it it, it Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's only one answer. It's bl- it's the most blatantly obvious shit in the world. I don't think we've ever done a podcast where the answer was as obvious as this. This answer is more obvious than the Predator pod, for God's sakes, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Which is saying something. <laughs> Neil Blomkamp, born in Johannesburg, South Africa. Oh, really? He's born in Johannesburg. <laughs> I could have sworn it was somewhere else. <laughs> 3D animator. Started making short films, eventually made a series of Halo-inspired short films. Not inspired. He made Halo shorts. Uh He made a very, very, very famous short that I love that got me really excited as a kid. Uh It was for Halo 3, and it just showed a bunch of, you know, ODST drop troopers and and UNSC Marines just fighting brutes and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's like fucking banshees flying everywhere. There's warthogs. Everyone's getting gunned down. It looks warthogs. You know, this guy, people, this, this (laughs) audience, this fucking guy over here. Let's shut up. Shut the hell up. What? Wait a minute. War. I'm not even. There's warthogs in Halo. (laughs) I'll let you look it up. Yes. There were technically. Yes. There are warthogs in Halo. I got to be honest. I don't know what the plot of Halo is. <laughs> I couldn't even muster a guess. I have no fucking clue. I'm not going to explain it to you because everyone listening knows except for this this guy over here. Okay. I mean, I know what Halo is, even if you're not a game fan. Ooh, Jesus. Jesus. I know there's like a green guy. There is a green guy. In a suit. That's right. He yeah. shoots things. Shoots aliens. What's his name? Master Chief. Master Chief. Spartan 117 or John 117 or however the hell you want to call him. Right. Anyway. Right. The short is like Saving Private Ryan, just with aliens. No shit. It's fucking crazy. It's yeah. really, really well done. Yeah. And it was, it, it, there was like speculation going along for a, a long, long time that we're getting a Halo movie. And this was the first like, wow, we're getting a Halo movie. Holy shit. And Peter Jackson's going to direct it. But this short promotional material really got everyone's hopes up. Certainly got my hopes up because it fucking rules. Right. It's one of his best films, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. It's interesting watching that seeing the the visual carryovers from that to district nine but also seeing the fact that like the 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 chips were laid out well before i knew what this guy was really all about it's like it's all there if you watch that short his love for video games his love for excess this kind of like kind of modern and slick and gritty Ooh, it's gonna hit really hard but all of the things that people actually like about video game storytelling sort of right (laughs) which is i think like a complaint that has been levied at practically every video game adaptation is this is not recreating the experience of playing a video game. Sure. You know, for the record, I don't think I've ever seen a video game movie that accurately portrays the way it feels to play the game. And I'm not sure if I completely want that. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with video game adaptations is a whole other thing. I'm not always sure what I want. It's such a radically different medium. Right. The only one that like, kind of got it right was the last of us, but the last of us has it easy only because it's already a movie. 
basically. Sure. The, the game it came is, prepackaged yeah, as a, right. Basically. Yeah. Always should have been a movie if, as, as far as I'm concerned. Huh. So. Yeah. Um, sure. So he starts doing 3D animation, does a bunch of short films. Eventually, yes, this Halo movie falls apart. Peter Jackson says, all right, let's make this $30 million CGI heavy, but like kind of rough, gritty, you know, run and gun style sci-fi movie called District 9. Mm -hmm. That movie does insanely well. And it is one of the weirder best picture nominees of all time. It is thoroughly bizarre that that movie got nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah. And gross $200 million. And, you know, all of a sudden, this late 20-something 3D animator is on the map as, like, the guy to watch. And the next decade, I would call a cautionary tale. (laughs) Yeah. Is that a fair way of putting it? And, like, what can happen to a person thrust into the limelight a little too early and given these huge budgets and uh yeah i don't know i think he uh, well we'll talk about each individual movie because i think there's stuff to like in even his biggest misses but you know i think he kind of lost control of his fastball a little bit maybe i i don't know maybe it was the pressure of things i'm not entirely sure but it was definitely a case of you got something, kid. Here's the keys to the kingdom. And interestingly enough, I don't see a lot of like gross oversight. It seems like a lot of the movies post District 9 feels like he was just allowed to do whatever he wanted to do. Yes. Which is very weird, especially for a filmmaker given that many resources, so to speak. Well, especially in science fiction. Oh, like, yeah. He's working yeah. with original material. Like Elysium is not based on no. IP, Chappie is certainly not based on <laughs> no. IP. It's crazy that in this day and age, a science fiction filmmaker mm. is able to, you know, exert this much creative control on their projects. And that I think has always been the reason that I have championed him and rooted for him to succeed. It's easy to root for the guy. It's for me, it's very hard to champion any of his work, but I understand the second part. I do. Right. I do. I get that. It's, you know, I'm like, I'm just rooting for this guy. It's to say it's the Nolan thing, right? It's like, yeah, it, life is better for us as moviegoers. If guys like Christopher Nolan succeed at what they do. Sure. Sure. You know, and, um, Blomp camp, I think love or hate him. He's an original voice. He has a lot of ideas in his scripts. He takes some chances, takes some big swings. Sometimes it doesn't always pay off, but I'm glad that he's taken them. <laughs> uh, and I just don't feel like there's any Neil Blomkamp movies coming out in 2023. You know, that are sort of reminiscent of like Verhoeven movies and like, you know, gritty 80s sci-fi films. They don't like, feel anything like Verhoeven movies. Uh, some of them do. No, they don't. They don't feel like Verhoeven movies. They feel like fucking Paul Greengrass movies that are science District fiction. District 9 doesn't feel like Starship Troopers? No. Oh my God. It's like identical to Starship it's Troopers. It's not anything like Starship Troopers. Oh, it, of course it is. <laughs> no, with the documentary elements. It is completely and... different. Aesthetically, tonally, as far as it's, it's, its writing is concerned. Yeah. I mean, just on a story level, it's totally different. Yeah. But no, dude, it's nothing like Starship Troopers. It doesn't even have the clever satire. Like, no, no. We're in for it today, guys. <laughs> I like District 9, but like, not a good comparison. <laughs> well, okay, so speaking of Verhoeven, he also had a number of franchise movies in development that never came to pass. I know where this is going. And it's like, like even when he's ripping off Verhoeven blatantly, right. it's, it's a totally different thing. He was going to do an alien movie, of course, with Sigourney Weaver returning. And it was going to be like a sequel, but it was going to retcon some of the later aliens. Is that right? Well, my understanding is that it was almost completely going to get rid of Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Right. Michael Bean was also going to be in it. 
which is crazy. But yeah. Oh, I want that movie. That movie would have sucked. I want to see that movie. Oh, it would have sucked. I was very, 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 very happy that it fell through. There was also a RoboCop sequel. RoboCop Returns. Which also got canceled in the wake of Chappie. Yep. I would argue he kind of got a chance to make his RoboCop movie. Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's kind of pale imitations of Verhoeven. But point being just that, like, that aesthetic, that, like, sort of grimy cyberpunk sci-fi aesthetic is not really in vogue these days unless it's under the guise of a fucking comic book movie and i i don't know i, I kind of <laughs> wish there were more movies like these even if they weren't made by neil blomkamp you know what i mean where there's a slum there's crime and district nine was no exception the Nigerians had various scams going. One of them was the cat food scam, where they sold cat food to the aliens for exorbitant prices. Not to mention interspecies prostitution, and they also uh, dealt in alien weaponry. You have a car hijacking, you know, there's a chop shop there. You can see that, that's somebody's car. 2009's District 9. Star Charlotte O'Copley, Neil Blomkamp's childhood friend. Yes. As a young kid, I think he met Copley at 16. Wow. When Copley was already an adult and already had a small production company in South Africa. So it's like his Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Interesting. He, In a way, yeah. He gave this kid a chance to do some 3D animation for his production house. And eventually, uh, you know, uh, Blomkamp returns the favor, puts Copley in all these movies. Cool. Kind of his muse. That's a great comparison. Yeah, it's a little Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi thing going on. I like that. Yeah. Uh, this thing was co-written with his wife, Terry Tatchell. And as you mentioned, produced by Peter Jackson. That is the first title card that you see when the movie begins. Important, important point, because I think it's a huge piece to why this movie was as successful as it was, because it was not really billed as like... I thought of it as a Peter Jackson film for the longest time. Right. Even before I saw it, I was like, oh, God, a Peter Jackson's the next foray after, you know, Lord of the Rings and King Kong. Oh, my God, a science fiction film? Hell yeah. And that was the talk around town that everyone was getting. It's like, oh, what's, what's Peter Jackson up to now? And right. it wasn't until we saw the movie that we knew it wasn't really a Peter Jackson film. Not at all. No. But you're probably right. That helped secure the Best Picture nomination, I'm sure. That's Peter Jackson's name on the yep. Best Picture nom. Uh, also got nominated for adapted screenplay based on his short film Life in Joburg. Film editing and visual effects. Also nominated there. I agree with I agree with those. I think I agree with those. Violence ensues after an extraterrestrial race forced to live in slum-like conditions on Earth finds a kindred spirit in a government agent exposed to their biotechnology. Cool. Neat. 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 Well neat. Well neat. <laughs> One of the most hated films on this podcast by one Nick Evangelista. That's right. Which is interesting to me. <laughs> this movie's tough. I rewatched it. It's the first time I rewatched it since probably, I didn't see it when it came out, but it was probably 2010, 2011. So it's been well over a decade since I last saw this movie. I remember liking it a lot, but I do remember it being more of a mockumentary mm. than I discovered on rewatch. It's very Clever, actually, and how deliberate it is with shifting back and forth, and you get the the what is the the company MNU, yeah, or something like that, and you see that little logo when they're actually filming and stuff like that, and then when you get to more of a subjective point of view with uh, uh what's the alien's name? I think Christopher Christopher, Christopher Johnson, Christopher Johnson, yeah. <laughs> and you go to Christopher, a given name. 
But I like that detail, actually. That's, yeah, that's, that's good that's, shit. That's smart. <laughs> um, when you switch to him and only him, you, you get rid of that little uh, logo at the corner there. Yeah, the first half hour of it is like pure mockumentary. Like they're cutting between Talking Heads interviews and there's all this like found footage stuff too. There's security footage. And I think like that shit's really good and also solves what I would call in the kindest of ways, Blomkamp's exposition problems. Oh, you know, and I, again, I say that as a friend. As a friend. Look, listen, I'm a friend. I'm a friend, Neil. <laughs> He's not great at exposition. He's not like the most gifted screenwriter of all time. All right, there, I said it. Well, you beat me to it. I would say, oh, well, the problem here, Nico, is not exposition purely. It's just the fact that he can't write a script. Well, I guess the exposition <laughs> and the middle and the end. But <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Yeah. No, the mockumentary stuff, though, I think kind of smooths out all of the, the rough edges. You know, like you don't need really expository dialogue. You know, you don't need like the sort of clunky, you know, character walks in and talks about his motivation straight to camera. Like a mockumentary helps you kind of smooth it out because it's allowed to be a little messier. Yeah, well, there's a natural quality to it in that way. It just feels more believable. And I usually don't love this kind of like news opening stuff unless it's being deliberately silly like it is in RoboCop. Right. And by the way, he does it several times over. He does I it know. in Chappie and he does it actually in Gran Turismo. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But one of those movies does it so so horribly. I mean, so ridiculously bad. And this is the one where it just feels like, it, it, I don't know, it, there's a seamless quality to it. It's partially the Talking Heads interviews specifically. It's the, those guys' performances and it's the way they detail the story of the aliens and how they came down. And it's just very, very well paced and there's a good, good it is. build. It's impeccably paced. It's yeah. awesome. It's really, it doesn't completely hold up at the end. They're taking it completely seriously. Yeah. Like when you get to the ending, it's like 2.5 million aliens were relocated and they're still there. And I'm like, (sighs) (laughs) fictional closing cards. I'm telling you, it's my biggest pet peeve in all of movies. Never, ever, ever, ever works. Yeah. Anyway, I really actually kind of like this opening exposition. And, but the thing is, it's not just talking heads purely. It's, Let's go to the news footage of when they actually cut into the alien ship and we see that great reveal of the malnourished yeah, the aliens yeah. all everywhere. It's 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 wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think like that part of the movie is definitely the best part. And when it breaks form, mm. I'm not sure it's always the most motivated thing in the world. Obviously, like it's for storytelling reasons. You need to show what these aliens are doing behind the scenes, like in order to like see like the chemical that eventually infects Copley and like some of it is just convenience. Mm-hmm. And I like, I almost wish it committed to the bit more like starship troopers committed to the bit the whole time. Yeah. I think like that's why starship troopers is probably a superior film. Way superior. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say this is a bad movie, but starship troopers is a great movie. That's yeah. it's different. But that stuck to the gimmick all the way through and it feels more coherent as a message. Whereas this movie it has the bare bones of it, but then as the movie goes along, Blomkamp is clearly concerned with blowing up people's bodies and, yep. you know, flesh launching in a hundred directions. But this is another thing we're going to talk about. It's yeah. like, he really likes flesh. Well, this guy puts up a guise of, this is a story that I need to tell, but when you peel back that curtain, he just likes doing cool shit. Right. That's really all it is. Right. <laughs> No, you're not wrong. And for what it's worth, I think the shit in this is actually cool shit. Oh, I think it's cool shit. I also just think the story is compelling enough. I really enjoy uh, Charlotte Copley's uh, relationship with Christopher Johnson. And right. I love where that 
ultimately goes. It actually earns a lot of those character arcs that it needs to go through, which seem outlandish on paper, but when it gets there, when he's finally transforming and helping him get away, I'm like, yeah, I I completely believe it. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely feel for this CGI alien the entire way through. It's actually quite moving and sometimes pretty harrowing. Yeah, and I think the movie also nails the design of these creatures too. Yes. I was reading Roger Ebert's review, and he gave it a three-star review so he was not negative on the movie but he wrote in his final paragraph here i'll be interested to see if general audiences go for these aliens i said they're loathsome and disgusting and i don't think that's just me the movie mentions nigerian prostitutes servicing the aliens but wisely refrains from entertaining us with this spectacle so the guy is like these aliens are gross and it's like you're kind of missing the point of the movie that's like entirely the point is that they're supposed to look gross so you are in the heads of the south african bureaucrats to want to keep them that in these slums put them in internment camps essentially like yeah you are supposed to be a little terrified of them like something bad could happen at every interaction yes and sometimes it does which and is sometimes the, it and it happens it like sort know. of callously and in the background that, and, that's when the news footage is working brilliantly where the right. guy just gets his arm ripped off it's like right. it's literally like the corner of the frame it's like whoa yeah ebert was like they're gross and it's like yeah they're supposed, they're supposed to, to be, be gross, gross. <laughs> like it, the movie does the work to get you to empathize with them you come to love them but yeah. they're not fucking et you know what i mean no, it's no. not like they're cute and cuddly aliens even the kid alien that they kind of throw in there for pathos it's not that cute and cuddly, you know? Yeah, as they say, they look like prawns. They yeah. look like prawns. Prawns. That's yeah. the idea, yeah. So, yeah, um, Copley, I think, is super fucking fun. He is very fun movie. in this movie. You know, the body horror stuff, he's really good in that. But, like, also the first 30 minutes when he's just, like, talking directly to the camera and is a complete, like, company man that doesn't know what he's doing. Just a total wiener. Yeah. A complete wiener. Oh, it's it's such a great art. I, I love Yeah, exactly. It's a com- yeah. and here's the thing, a completely different character by the end of the movie, which is wonderful. Yeah. But like this is where the Verhoeven influence really comes in with with a lot of these opening scenes where you get a, a stronger sense of the satiric edge when they're raiding the camps and they're just finding the weapons and stuff like that. And then they come to the hut with the cow in it that has all the eggs. And right. he's just so happy to be aborting these eggs. He's like, you see the eggs, they pop out. Yeah, like the, popcorn. You see, like popcorn. They're popping like, like popcorn. You hear that? <laughs> Congratulations on your first abortion. I'm just like. It's like disturbing. Yeah, shit it's very too. disturbing. Yeah, so this movie comes out the same year as Avatar. <laughs> oh, yeah. this I remember this. And I think it's so interesting. They both got nominated for Best Picture. But, you know, all this all this hay that's made about the white savior narrative, and I think it's like, it is more offensively done in other Neil Blomkamp movies. But I think this one has a pretty good handle on the white savior thing, which is like, this guy is a, is a buffoon. Like, this guy is helping Chris Johnson save his son or whatever. I mean, he's barely heroic in my eyes. I mean, yeah. he, he, it takes, it's kind of like uh, big trouble in little China, the way that Kurt Russell is used in that, you know what I mean? Like he's framed as a white savior character, but <laughs> that's a great idea. You know, is the sidekick in his own movie as sure. John Carpenter put it in that movie. That's the key here. It's like Christopher Johnson is really the main character of this movie, right? That's the thing you need to keep in sharp focus the entire time. I mean, right. we are let into Christopher Johnson's story through uh Vickis. That's his name. Vickis. Yes. But it's really, yeah, at the core of it all, it's really about Christopher Johnson, which I love so much. It's just a great, it's again it's not quite what you expect going into this movie i mean you really do think you're getting like a cronenberg-esque body horror thing here and it is effective stuff a lot of the time yeah especially when he chops off his thumb or his alien oh, yeah, that's Ooh, tough. great stuff 
Well, when he first sees his hand for the first time, it's too, great. great. It's yeah, a great reveal. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's it's not movie-fied all that much to me. Like when he knocks out Christopher Johnson and then tries to fly the thing and then it gets shot down. Like this guy, it doesn't lose sight of the fact that this guy is deeply flawed and fucks up all the time. So it's hard to really view him as this guy that's in here to save everybody. That's not really what it is. Yeah, and you know, it's also not as neat a narrative as Avatar is, where it's like the aliens are not overwhelmingly good the humans are not overwhelmingly evil it's more the systems right the systems are the villain of the movie even though there well, are some you know overtly villainous <laughs> characters this is part of my pro- some of the humans are not overwhelmingly evil yeah. this is a carryover problem with pretty much all of neil blomkamp's movies he doesn't like people <laughs> you know i don't know if there's anybody worse at writing villains oh these guys yeah. are dumb and yeah. they're about like tissue paper thin. Yeah. And they're just the most ridiculously stupid overt evil guy. Like they're more evil than Ivan Ooze in the Power Rangers <laughs> movie. It's ridiculous. The lengths these guys will go to, to make sure we get what we want. Like we're going to talk about resident evil next week, but like umbrella corporation ain't got shit on the, <laughs> the, 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 the fucking villain. Villains in Neil Blomkamp movies. Certainly not Jodie Foster. Holy shit. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Jodie Foster in that movie. <laughs> I mean, like fucking spin the wheel of accents. <laughs> figure out what voice she's doing. They're just crap characters. They, they're just, every one of those scenes just read as so false to me. Like you have to have a really dark, bleak, just totally cynical view of humanity to think that this is the way things are. I don't know. With how realistic this movie is trying to be, it's hard for me to make the leap that this company would do this to this guy. I don't know. I just feel like it's a little messier. I'm I'm comparing it to the xenophobia movies of the era, I guess. Oh, yeah. And it's allowed to be a little messier. And, you know, in that way, like, I didn't find it as, like, preachy as something like avatar was in 2009 even though avatar is probably a better movie than this i think in terms of like conveying a political message this one is more effective at that and maybe just because it feels a little more authentic you know? i think that's what it is yeah, yeah you know it's like blomkamp was raised in not necessarily apartheid africa but in the aftermath of apartheid africa certainly knows the remnants of it quite well so yeah. right and you can kind of feel the remnants of that in the movie it's an area of history that has a direct effect on his life in the way that like, you know, the slaughter of the native Americans is not necessarily something James Cameron has an attachment to personally. And there's also my, my biggest point what this movie gets so right that the other movies, in my opinion, don't is that it just knows how to ask questions. Like my favorite science fiction is just the one that asks these really, really interesting questions. And mm-hmm. man, it's just a great idea. This thought process of what happens if aliens come down and we're the hostile ones. Right. I love that idea. Right. And from there, there's just all these really wonderful ideas that sort of spool out from that. I'm, I'm, and I'm okay that it connects to reality in this way. It does so in such an authentic manner that it's like it just makes the sci-fi of it all more interesting. Elysium. Elysium. From 2013. (laughs) Ten years ago, Adam. Yes. Ten years ago this month. 
starring Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, Charlotte Copley, <laughs> Alice Braga, Diego Luna. Yeah, I that's totally right. forgot he was in this. Yeah, it pops up. <laughs> uh, and William Fickner. In the year 2154, the very wealthy live on a man-made space station while the rest of the population resides on a ruined Earth. A man takes on a mission that could bring equality to the polarized world. <laughs> okay. Not like a box office bomb, although certainly not as successful as District 9. Yeah. Made 93 million domestic, 286 worldwide on a 115 budget. Mm-hmm. You could say it has a similar plot to District 9 and a similar kind of message about immigration and the healthcare. haves and have nots yeah. and healthcare yeah, and all that great stuff. Capitalism and Certainly, refugees yeah. and things like that. That being said, <laughs> what's wrong with this movie? Ooh. I think it's fun. I think the world building's good. I think the gadgets are cool. I think Elysium is kind of a cool planet thing. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's all right. I think the action's fine. Fine, yeah. That was the most disappointing thing on rewatch. Is the script a mess? Yeah, yes. sure. Okay. Is there a shoved-in romance? Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> Does the plot make a lick of sense? No. Do, do character introductions like Alice Frog just shows up? Hey, oh, I, I know you for when I was a kid. It's great well, we to see you again. We were raised by nuns. That's right. You <laughs> again. It just showed up in this hospital. How's it going? Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's fine. You could do a lot worse than this movie. I was not as good as I remembered it. Because it sucks. But I think it's all right. No, this movie's a piece of crap. That's my half-hearted defense. <laughs> so when we were doing the, um, um, what, what was, that was the pie. I uh, forgot what we called it, but it was like we, we One came, Man's Trash. One Man's Trash. Yes, that's right. And I was like, I hadn't rewatched it. I just remember, like, when I saw it, I'm like, I don't really think that movie's all that great. But I hadn't rewatched it for that pod. Yeah. I did, however, rewatch it for this pod. Uh-huh. Boy, does this thing sink like a rock. <laughs> Because I hate the world building in this. It sucks. It's awful. I think it's called the med bays and the... Oh, my the God. The exoskeleton is sick. The, well, the tech in this is cool. Like, the video gamey, like, cyberpunk stuff that I've seen in a billion games. Uh-huh. A billion video games. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just like... It, God, He's a video you, game director. Yeah, you just, you just love stuff in the shit that you love playing with. You yeah. love your toys. He loves his toys. Stop pretending like it's more than that. That's why I like... Paul W. Sanderson a little bit more, by the way. <laughs> At least someone's not pretending there. Right. <laughs> like the world building doesn't extend much further than Earth is a garbage chute and the rich live on a flying thing. On a dish, yeah. On a little dish. Yeah, a little donut. It's cyberpunk, it's a little bit of Grand Theft Auto, and it's a little bit of Halo, and it's just Eh, it's so dumb. It's like you think about this movie for half of a second. <laughs> it's implied, by the way, that the rich, it's their own ecosystem. Like like, right. like uh, Jodie Foster is not the president of the planet. She's the president of Elysium. That's right. <laughs> She's Why? the president of Elysium. I was a little unclear this idea that you can hack into Elysium servers. Yes. And reset who the president is. Yes. <laughs> It was a little unclear in terms of like, don't they vote on these things? Are no, these Democrats? I guess not. That's what I'm saying. It's just whoever the algorithm says is president is the president. Like nothing. <laughs> I'm a little unclear on that. Like, why does anything they do matter? Right. Okay. So, what's the plot of this movie? Let's 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 unspool this for a second. So, yeah, Jodie Foster is the secretary of defense or something. Again, it's unclear to me who appointed her to that job in the first place. The, not the president of 
the United States or whatever it is no, on Earth. Elysium. Elysium. It's its own nation. Yes, it's its own right. thing. It's its own planet for all we're, for, for, for all intents and purposes. Elysium is its own planet. It's basically. its own sovereign body. Right. Sure, yeah. But again, I don't know if they have elections or the robots just decide. I think that might be what it is. It's like they have a bunch of robots that kind of like... <laughs> Keep everything in order, and whoever the robots say the president is, that's who the president is. I guess. Well, I guess, well, actually, now it's kind of making a little more sense. What, because what like, the president is the commander in chief of the military. Well, wait a second. The robots aren't controlling anything. They're controlling the robots. Right, but like you know how at the end of the movie, when the president is like arrest this man. And he's like, sorry, sir, we can't arrest a citizen of Elysium, essentially. Well, that's because they hacked Elysium and they said everyone on Earth is also a member of Elysium. Right. But like, theoretically, if you changed in the system who the president was programmed into the robots, all the robots would listen to you. Yes. So, okay, now it kind of makes sense. Which is dumb. I'm talking my way into it. It makes sense on what level? You could just hack into and choose a different president. (laughs) So... Which is like a thing that's just been sitting there because William Fickner back down on earth just has the code to do that. Yes. So he can just hack in and declare a new president. That's like a hell of a weapon that's been sitting there that no one knows about. Why it's there at all makes absolutely no sense to me. This should not be in this sophisticated science fiction world, Neil Blomkamp. Right. So (laughs) he has the code and he puts the code in his head. Yes. And Matt Damon, who needs to get to Elysium because he was just infected with nuclear radiation. It's some kind of radiation that you use to, like, fuck with the robots on the conveyor belt thing. Yeah. He has, like, five weeks to live or five something. Five days, Five I days. Think. Oh, but they give him some... But it's not like his body decays over time. No. It's just like, you're perfectly cool. And then all of a sudden, you just drop dead. Right. If you just take these pills or whatever, like, you're still going to die. Yeah, but you're gonna- like. Which is, that's unclear to me. It's like, well, if your organs don't shut down, then like you're not going to die. True. So if you could just stop that from happening, you know what I mean? Basically. But they do it as a ticking clock element, right? They do it as like. But you forget about that ticking clock half the time. That's a fair point. They never cut to the ticking clock element. You need the fucking escape from New York. Oh my God, my my watch is going down. Well, that that's a great gimmick because it's like your heart is just going to explode. Yes. It's literally a bomb inside your body. <laughs> it's literally a ticking it's bomb. Great. Get this crap out of me. Right. I love it. I love it. You can't get that crap out of Matt Damon this time, though. He's, no, he's, he's got radiation, but he can just go in this pod and everything's fine. I like that the med pods can literally cure anything. The guy's face explodes and he can just get his face reconstructed. That looks, it looks cool, but yeah. God, it's just so lazy. It's such a lazy idea. It's like, it's, I need what the, the heroes are going for in, in this movie to not feel so fantastical. Other than you literally, I step through like a fucking like microwave and I'm good. It's just <laughs> a little. See, I kind of like that. It's kind of like a parable. It's like a fairy tale. It's a space fairy tale. But it's not. It's about immigration and bullshit like well, that. Well, it's a little on the nose. Obviously. It's but on. it's, you know. It's it, not. It's just. There is kind of a fantastical, like, you know, there's a utopic Garden of Eden up there. Oh, in that sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's painting with a very broad brush. Even when it is doing that, it's like, I know this story. The people up there, the people down here. I get it. I, right. I've seen yeah. it a gajillion times. Tale time. of Two Cities, fucking everything. Yeah. It's just, there's not an original bone in this movie's body. <laughs> so Fickner is going up to space because he's staging a coup with Jodie Foster, yeah. who is playing this character, as we mentioned, that is sometimes French, sometimes English. 
You know what it felt like to be watching it? It's like, it's almost like her dialogue was dubbed. Sometimes. Even though it's clearly not dubbed. Like, it's sometimes like the sound coming out of her mouth doesn't match what's happening. It's, well, <laughs> it's this weird uncanny thing going on. Because it's just such a ridiculous voice, though. Like, it does feel like, sound like a stuck up rich person. Yeah. And that's what she sounds like. Right. How do we get control over Elysium? And that's get me the codes. We're going to stage a coup. Listen, listen, you you mongrels. <laughs> I think she's fun. I think she's, she's good. It is maybe her worst performance. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're starting to coup. And so they kidnap William Fickner because they want to get, like, bank codes out of his brain. No, they try to kidnap him. It don't go well. Right. They they shoot that down and accidentally shoot him like a couple of fucking idiots. Right. But they're, like, just, they're staging a heist just to get some cash, right? It's a brain heist. It's a brain heist. Mm. Sick, dude. <laughs> it's a fucking brain heist. And it just so happens that in his brain is this code to overthrow Elysium. And it's encrypted. So now Matt Damon is the key to overthrowing Elysium. So now no one wants to kill him. How convenient. What are the odds that of all the guys to hijack? Nico, does this not sound like the stupidest script ever written? It's a little undercooked. (laughs) They go up to the planet and a scuffle ensues. And I'm not sure how, but the rocket ship crashes. And all of a sudden, everybody's trying to kill everybody. Yeah, basically. They yada yada through a couple things. Yeah. And uh, then what happens? Matt Damon fucking, they plug the brain into the the mainframe and everybody on earth gets all the medical treatment that they need. The only good thing about this movie is Charlotte Copley. That's, that's it. Right. That's, that's the only, that's good thing, only good thing about this movie. Boinky! Boinky! Get over here! I'm just getting started. Just getting started. <laughs> I reckon we're just getting started. <laughs> It's like cowboy <laughs> Johannesburg. He's just fucking making up words, dude. Fuck you, government. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the president now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he rules. Yes, he rules. Every like cool thing in this movie is from this guy. This fucking this guy has all the technology in the world and he insists on fighting with a fucking katana. That's right. <laughs> Damn straight he does. <laughs> He doesn't want to live on Elysium either. He's totally happy in the slums. He loves it there. He just wants to kill people. Well, I guess, but then for no reason at all, he's like, I'm going to take over Elysium. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Jodie Foster. It's just, I don't get it. Yeah, it's unclear to me why he turns on her too. It's it's strange. It's a bit strange. He's a murdering rapist. He's just unhinged. There you go. He's just unhinged. So therefore, why wouldn't he want to just randomly take over Elysium? (laughs) Boinky. Boinky. I saw a review that compared him to Groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. My boy, you have the shinning. <laughs> you mean the shining? Uh, yeah, I just love that Neil Blomkamp's muse is fucking Charlotte Copley, you know, who you has know, not worked in any other movie except for a Blomkamp movie. Hey, he, he was in the A-team. He was certainly in the A-team, and he was in Hardcore Henry. He was. And yeah. he's very good in Hardcore Henry. He's good in everything I've seen him in. He was in Beast, and he was quite good. I missed him in Gran Turismo. i got to be honest with you. He's there. He's got to be there somewhere. You know, he could have played the Orlando Bloom role. It would have been great. Yeah. Nissan. Nissan. <laughs> I work for Nissan. I was like, I am going to 
jump through this screen. I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> Nissen. Put Charlottetown in that role. It's one of those instances where I'm, I want to just sit the English down. It's like, guys, listen to me. I know you pronounce certain things differently. <laughs> just sit this one out, please. Sure. Everybody watching this film is going to lose their fucking mind yeah. at Nissen. Nissen. <laughs> Matt Damon, I found kind of whatever in this on a rewatch. Very whatever. Did you realize that this role was supposed to be played by Ninja from D. Antwoord? I thought it was going to be played by Eminem. He was the second choice. Oh, lovely. Ninja was the first. Eminem was the second. Well, dodged. Why is Eminem always in these like almost cast fun facts? He was almost cast as Max in Fury Road. (laughs) He always pops up in these things, yet he never gets any of the roles. And it makes me wonder, like, really? Was he really under consideration every time? I don't know. You'd think he would have gotten at least one of these if they considered him every fucking time. Well, let me be perfectly clear. I don't want Ninja in this movie, but I also don't want Matt Damon in this movie. I think Eminem's a better idea. I mean, can't you just make Diego Luna the lead? Sure. You know? Yeah, I will say this is the one time where like the white savior thing, and I'm not usually triggered by these sorts of things, but it was like, we're setting this in futuristic Los Angeles where everyone is Latino, except for Matt Damon, who's going to save all the Latino people that are getting blown up on their way to Elysium. He's like the only white dude. Yeah. The only white dude. I mean, it's like white savior to the fucking max here, where it's like, if you want to make it an immigration metaphor, like, you know, let them be Latino. Let them be the heroes here. Yeah. yeah, that'd be nice. It would be nice. I also thought like all the Latinos were better in the movie than he was. Uh, immensely better. He leaves no impression. That was the yeah. thing. I remember like looking at it like visually with the trailers and everything. I'm like, this movie looks fucking cool. Yeah. Matt Damon looks fucking cool in the movie. Right. And he just shaves his head. Bald yeah. Damon. Yeah. Couldn't, could not have been more like lame though. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. it just does nothing for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. I was like, it's just, what is this? What are we doing here? Like, I don't think District Nine's perfect, but like to make that your first feature is really bold and impressive. Yes, I, I think it's an incredible debut. Yeah, to to come out saying like, no, I don't want to make Bottle Rocket. I want right. to make fucking this. I like, want to make a big, not sentimental, R-rated, high concept sci-fi. Thing. Like, what are you talking about, kid? Right. Really? All right, yeah, yeah, good luck. Right. And he and he fucking pulls it off, and I'm just like, yeah, damn. Like, how does that? That never happens. It's just awesome that he wanted to make that movie and it's even more awesome that he actually did it well yeah but i don't know what happened here he doesn't like this movie either he does not he said the script wasn't there he said there's some good ideas but the script was not there and i wish i took another pass at that thing fair enough i guess (laughs) i don't know i remember liking it just because like it came out in this like real nadir for sci-fi movies yeah like it came out the same year as oblivion I have not seen Oblivion. It's not good. <laughs> but it's a similar kind of haves and have nots parable as this one. Oh, I see. Okay. And even though Cruise is in that one, you're like, and it's kind of a Cruise vanity project. There are literal Cruise clones in that. Ooh. It, it's fucking dull and boring. And I remember watching this one in comparison to that, being excited for both of them and just remembering this one coming out on top. But maybe wow. I'm just grading on a curve there. That's a Joseph Kavinsky. Kaminsky. Kaminsky film. Yeah. Top Gun Maverick, dude. That's right. He's come a long way. More on him in a bit. Mm. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, he almost made Gran Turismo. That was his project for a while. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's okay. That's it. Yeah. More on him later. Actually, I'll just tell you now. I'll just tell you. <laughs> 
right. <laughs> That's Elysium. Not as good as I remembered. No. <laughs> Fine. You got me. There we go. I think it's fun, though. And now Nico's like, but I will not have this for Chappie. Chappie. 2015. Starring Charlotte Tocopoli yet again. And goodbye, listeners. I'm leaving. So long. Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Dev Patel. Hugh Jackman. Sigourney Weaver. And Ninja and Yolandi Visser, otherwise known as D'Anford. Holy shit. future crime is patrolled by a mechanized police force when one police droid chappy is stolen and given new programming he becomes the first robot with the ability to think and feel for himself i saw this movie when it first came out really Wow. Okay. Okay. I remember liking it. <laughs> kind of going against the curve there. I see. I have not seen it since it came out. I rewatched it here. Mm-hmm. And um, I am. <laughs> it's unfortunate to say it, but. I still like the movie! <laughs> Saw that one coming from fucking outer space. <laughs> <laughs> Happy go sucky fucking <laughs> Oh boy Um Wow Still like it Okay In fact I like it more Oh really I like it more Adam Wow Uh it's the worst movie I've ever seen Shepard <laughs> You want? Um, yeah, with a bullet, his worst movie. Chevy, shoot it in the head. Chevy, <laughs> why do you like this movie? Why are you beating up Chevy? <laughs> Daddy, I want to go in the car. Get me back in the car. I want to go in the car, please. <laughs> why are you hurting Chevy? <laughs> why do you like this movie? <laughs> It's not good. Why did you make me just so I can die? (laughs)
All right, listen, it's not a great movie. I don't I well, I don't like love the movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nico, it sucks. But I it's fucking awful. Do love Chappie. Oh, I see. I just fucking love Chappie. Dude. Chappie the movie or the character? The character. Oh, I see. How do you not love Chappie? I, I sometimes like Chappie. I like it when he goes full like Walter Soapcheck and just beats the shit out of the guy's car. That's a good. <laughs> that made me laugh. That's the only good thing I think I like. You about the don't movie. take cars from Daddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the part where it's like enough violence as he's beating the shit out of you. Go Chappie. to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. You go to sleep. <laughs> Why don't you go to sleep? <laughs> Dude, the half hour of this movie that's just Ninja and Chappie committing petty crimes so- is fucking remarkable, dude. It is unfucking believable that a studio <laughs> gave him money to make this movie. It is insane, dude. God, I, I can't, I can't. He put fucking D and Word in a movie playing themselves. I know. Like, what is this? They're I, I know. There's D and Word music playing half the time. It <laughs> Isn't he listening movie? to his own music at one point? Doesn't he pull up in the car listening to his own music? Yeah, it's, oh, it's like that fucking thing in, in the fanatic where they start playing Fred Durst yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Biscuit. Look, I want to get some Biscuit in my shit. <laughs> oh my god, I, this was a low, 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 low experience it's for me. So fun. It's so bad. It's so fun. It is just so completely awful in every way. It's just one of the worst science fiction films I've ever seen. Period. Period. There's not much that I that I dislike more. <laughs> Name it. It does it shittily. <laughs> What's up, fuck mother? It's just the worst script. Chicken? It is a colossal miscalculation. That's really what this comes down to. Like, <laughs> I, I, it, like from the get-go, like, the pacing in Elysium is not very good, but this movie... I mean, talk about not wasting time in a bad way. It's just the crime's bad. We need super robots. Here's your super robots <laughs> in like the next frame. <laughs> and then it just becomes Grand Theft Auto meets RoboCop. And that is it. <laughs> RoboCop without really any sense of like the social politics of the country. N- nothing. Yeah, like nothing. what is it really saying about like the police state? I mean, like nothing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about. Right. I am pro police state in this movie. They didn't do anything wrong. You know, it kind of has a similar problem that Gran Turismo has. And we'll talk <laughs> about it when we get to Gran Turismo. But like that movie's like video games are good, kids. Spend as much time playing this one video game as possible, and then maybe you too can become <laughs> a real life race car driver. Yeah. And um, this movie's similar where it's like. Hugh Jackman is correct. It, yes. Like it is a bad idea to fucking do and make yeah. robots sentient yes. and give them weapons. And the movie's not good. And the movie proves that yes, it's a bad idea because he just kills everybody in the movie. <laughs> he stabs people because he thinks he's get, they're gonna go to sleep. He's a fucking asshole. He's yeah. terrible. <laughs> He is the worst thing ever created. He hates people. Neil yes. Blomkamp is always on the side of the other. It is all the time. Ridiculous. I appreciate it's- the commitment to the bit. I can't watch movies the way you watch them. You you take <laughs> you you take yourself out of it so much. You're always like you're always there next to the filmmaker. I am. And this thing is written by a a hack. I love this movie, Adam. It's 
dog shit. I love it. I'm not being ironic either. I'm I think seriously you, not being I think ironic. you are. I think you're in. I'm not. I'll call it an irony vortex that you don't know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. I don't think you know where you are, Nico. It's okay, but you got to come out of it. This thing sucks. <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> it's so bad. You are. <laughs> You you are in the metaverse over there. I'm trying to shake you out of it, but you're not listening to me. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this movie sucks. It's so fun. It's so good. No, I love that he takes the approach. He's making RoboCop, yes. but he's doing it by way of ET. Kind of, yeah. He's like, "What if the AI was a good guy and he was just misunderstood?" Yeah. And we, you know, did a little nature nurture thing. Gave him some Reese's Pieces. It's a movie about parenting, ultimately. Oh, Adam, yeah, it's a movie you know about I mean? family. It's we're, ba- s- we're back to the. It's about Absolutely familiar. Family? It's about mommies and daddies and family. It's about family. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> mommies and daddies. Dude, the scene. <laughs> Chappie starts painting. <laughs> yeah. And Ninja's like, no, you must be a gangster with it's me. Like, what is this pussy shit? <laughs> Starts knocking it over. He starts beating his son. Pulls up in a <laughs> fucking gun. He's like, do what I want. He pulls a gun on this child. It's just ridiculous. I'm going to teach you how to rob trucks because we're going to do a heist. They never like specify what the heist is. It's just like they're brainstorming. Hey, we need some money. How are we going to get the money? I know a heist. Let's do a heist. And then they do a heist with Chappie. He's painting and Dev Patel is like, Chappie, we must foster your creativity. Oh, that line. You stole it. I was going to use it at the end. Don't let him stifle your creativity, Chappie, as he comically drives away. Don't let him stop your creativity. (laughs) Dude. It fucking rips. Dude. It absolutely rips. It is so funny. This movie. Listen, if you can watch this movie as a comedy, as I did, it is elite that's ironic it's absolutely elite <laughs> i don't think it's you're all tricking yourself Castiel, we're in the movie you don't think like it was supposed no. to be a little funny no he just likes cool shit <laughs> he just likes stuff that he likes happy go sucky fucky adam he wants to <laughs> <laughs> how is this not a comedy he wants to play with action figures that's what this is he's playing with toys <laughs> That's all it is. Their scenes aren't even like tonally. They're not even all that funny. It's like, oh my God, if you don't nurture your babies well, they're going to become monsters, which like, by the way, like tonally, (laughs) I'm all over the place when you had this thing, this robot that's acting like an innocent child and it's kind of cute and everything. And then you get this fucking skinny thing of a man wearing these ridiculous shorts (laughs) This like I could push the, I, there's nothing intimidating about this guy. I could push him aside with no problem and just kick him and he'd be dead. It's 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 pathetic. They are the worst actors I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> they are so bad. Uh, the great thing about this too is like Ninja was on set like criticizing the other actors. He's oh. like, you guys don't know how to act. Let me show you how to do it. It's <laughs> They had to like write him out of a scene because everyone was so sick of working with him. Yes, I don't. Good. <laughs> Fuck them. They're such punks. They're assholes. They're but idiots. It's so funny though that Neil Blomkamp just like launch them into the world i'm unleashing fucking dn on the public on the american public 
It's so unapologetically shameless. It's yes. so, I fucking love it, dude. It doesn't know what it's doing. I mean, obviously. It, it, it's just like, fuck it. I just want to film the things that I like and create like a very vague framework of a movie that's kind of like RoboCop, but like is almost the inverse of RoboCop. Well, it's, yeah, sure. That, well, that's a movie about like, like rediscovering that you, despite how machine-like you make this man, you can't take the man out of it. Right. And, and this is like, right. no, you could turn a, a machine into a man, no right. problem. <laughs> No problem. They're one and the same. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. You can live forever. Maker. Uh, I mean, so, <laughs> mommy, get back, mommy. Uh, so, God damn it. <laughs> We're a family again. I love the scene where, to intimidate Deb Patel, Hugh Jackman comes in. It's like, what did you do with the, the, the thumb drive thing, man? I need the thumb drive. Where's the thumb drive? It just puts his head on the... the they're in an office. They're in an office. They're in a sur- cubicle. Surrounded by people. And he's just... He, points he shoves them into Points the a gun to his temple. <laughs> like, I will fucking kill you if you don't give me the thing. And then he's like, I'm just joking. What is, like, Hugh Jackman's motivation here? He just likes destroying scum, right? That's his whole thing. He's, you know, I guess he's mildly religious, I guess, likes destroying people who are, you know, ruining things. Yeah. Uh, And he creates ED-209, or, I'm sorry, ED-209 from Robocop. Sure. It's the same thing. It's the same design. It's the same design. (laughs) It's the same ending. Yes. (laughs) Same ending. I do. Except here, the robot's the good guy. It's like, actually, you know what? Let's keep making AI because they will be more moral than us. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> that's right. The machine is is a human. That's it. The machine is a human. I love him so much, dude. Dude, when they first invent him and he's like hiding in the corner. Yeah, that's reminded me of my cats. Yeah, that's a good. It reminds you of your cat. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, Jeffy. I just want to give him a hug. It's little Maxie over there. Yeah. It's like, you know. I like him before he like actually hooks up with Diane Verd and is doing their bidding <laughs> and starts talking. Before, that opening scene, you're you're right. That's Fuck a good, mother. That's a god damn it. That's a good sequence. But like about like sixty percent of his scenes just annoying as shit. I don't think the connection to Jar Jar Binks is inadequate. I think that's fine. Yeah, that's a big Twitter thing. Yeah, yeah that's that's Twitter fair. finds Chappie very amusing. I I I kind of agree. Yeah. Um, you get Deb Patel's just like, I must find consciousness. And then you cut to a scene with him in this shitty apartment. And he's just like, I'm going to do this. Like five seconds. I've discovered consciousness by typing a few random things. <laughs> and then you get to Chappie trying to do the same thing. And how does Chappie do this? Well, he collects about 16 PS5s, tapes them together, creates a computer of sorts. And in that very same scene, again, about maybe 10 seconds later, he discovers consciousness. And, he, and, he, and we can make stuff transferable now. And then they all become robots and they live on as a family. Yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> he just looks at us like, consciousness? I, I've discovered consciousness. I have found consciousness. <laughs> It's so uncool, but I, you know how much I love an uncool movie. It's just you love you know how much I love a movie that is not fucking trying to impress you. And, no, and, and like that's why I, I think like it's his most like soulful movie. Like I actually like 
feel a part <sighs> of Neil Blomkamp in this beyond the spectacle. Like it's pure. I don't know. It's it, it is pure. It's yes, pure. It is a pure cinematic experience. This movie. It's like if Harmony Corinne made a science fiction film. You're so right. <sighs> That's a great way of putting it. That's exactly right. And it's the same thing I like about Harmony Corinne movies. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing I like about Spring Breakers. Yeah, but Harmony Corinne's not a filmmaker. He's an idiot. He's just a guy that likes the idea of presenting himself. <laughs> he's like a, a punk. Yeah, he's an. He's not actually a filmmaker. <laughs> he's a hack. <laughs> well, disagree on that. No. <laughs> no, I just I just fucking love DeAntward. I just, like, the balls to fucking cast those two yes. ne'er-do-wells. I mean, they really are fucking punks. Yes, I know. I mean, like, you can just imagine them on set being the hardest thing to deal with. They're barnacles. They're yeah. Just these things that you, you normally, you scrape off the side of your <laughs> ship, but the... Neil Blomkamp is trying to cultivate them into a stew, and it's disgusting, but he insists on serving it anyway. <laughs> it's so fearless. It's so fearless. Uh, sure, but it's not good. <laughs> oh, man, I like it a lot. It was easily the most miserable experience, I think, of the bunch. And this is also one- Miserable! Hated it. How too. could you be miserable watching this? How did this not put a smile on your face? I had a shit time Shappy, with this. I had dude. a shit awful time with this one. I don't blame the studios for ripping everything away from them. Uh, no, I get it. It's a fucking it. disaster, this movie. It. It's a it's a bad idea. Dude, he gets his name because Yolandi is just like, you're a happy, you happy chappy. You're a happy chappy. Yeah. <laughs> Dev Patel's like, that's not a name. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like, yes, it is now. <laughs> Yolandi said so. God. Chappy, bro. It just has no good questions to ask. And, oh, who gives a shit? And it has no good answers. Who cares? I care. Everybody. See, apparently everybody does care because no one likes this movie. I like it. <laughs> you're the, I like it. You're a moron. I'll raise my hand. I don't you're, give a shit. You're a fool. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you're wrong. I'm Nico. telling you, if this movie comes out in 1987... And it's got a fucking Amblin title card at the beginning, and it's rated no. PG. I, people fucking love it. No, people would be still buying that action figure, and it'd be this retro, like, oh, children of the '80s. If you know, you know thing. No, they hate it because it's a bad movie. It's poorly made, no, and the dude. storytelling sucks. That's the thing. Like, like we were talking earlier about the news stuff. This is an example. Like when they show Anderson Cooper's face, I'm just like, oh my god, they're actually doing this. Yeah. No, listen, that it, is it, not obviously as well done as District Nine. I'll give you that. It's just so bad, man. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's awful. I hate it. <laughs> and Dan, where's the worst part? It's like it's, it's. I mean, yeah, but like it's like it's it. Also, they're worth the price of admission. No, they're not. They. Totally are. You are completely kidding yourself. They are absolutely, totally and not. The movie is unremarkable if you don't cast that, like that half hour stretch where they're just committing crimes. And it's like, dude, this movie has no direction. It has no direction. The, no, the it's formless. Isn't, isn't and it's even like, fun. It's, it's just. I actually think it looks okay. No. To be honest with you. I, I don't know. I don't think it looks like that Ugh, bad. Snooze. God, if you're going to rip off Robocop, like I've seen good Robocop ripoffs that are fine. Like, like Dread is really good. Dread's great. Like, just do that. <laughs> do anything. Like, I don't. What is he doing here? What the fuck is he doing in this movie? <laughs> Chappie learns forgiveness, Adam. Oh, he does. <laughs> You're a very bad man. Uh, I'm going to crush you. Uh, 
You killed my mommy. He didn't do anything wrong. You killed my mommy. <laughs> he didn't do anything wrong. He killed his mommy. By, by the way, don't you just love how Sigourney Weaver just exits the frame and never shows up again? Just disappears from the movie? I don't think Sigourney Weaver is very good at this. No, she's not good. If I have to choose between Jodie Foster and her, I think I'd take Jodie Foster and Elysium. I, I might agree. Yeah, I might agree. But the company doesn't do anything wrong. They're, they're fine. They don't, there's no reason to hate this company. Hey, look at this. The first stage of the infection. The subject makes an amulet using parts of a raven. Like the one your mother made. I don't know if it was a fate or just bad luck or what. But she walked through this thing's lair and it snatched her right up, possessed her body. Just, just hear me out, okay? In the Catholic Church, and in a lot of sects of the Catholic Church, the idea that demons are real is just accepted as a fact. I mean, it's not some hypothetical what if, like the way we talk about it to them. It is as real as air and water. I'm talking demons. Devil. Real. Demonic. Oh, God. Another one. <laughs> From 2021 stars Carly Pope. A young woman unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces at the root of a decades-old rift between mother and daughter are ruthlessly revealed. <sighs> God. You want to spend like five minutes on this movie and move on? Demonic. Okay. So this was a pandemic-era movie. This was shot in the throes of COVID-19. You know, I was thinking about this, like, th when the pandemic happened, I remember thinking, like, this is going to be a cool era for movies. Anytime, like, a big thing like that happens that kind of shifts the zeitgeist, good art usually comes of it. And I think, like, the ideal way that this would have played out would have been, like, a return to smaller productions, mm. tighter budgets, you know, like, sort of a return to the 90s independent movement, right? Which this is, it's sm relatively speaking, much smaller, right? Much, much more limited production. Which is like something that has worked for struggling directors in the past. Yeah. You know, I love Chappie, but I understand that like Chappie was career fucking suicide. Yeah. And he needed a bit of a reset Blomkamp. So he spends these years wandering through the desert, eventually self-finances this little horror movie, shoestring budget, made it with IFC films. And, you know, it worked for M. Night when he did The Visit. It, it worked for Sam Raimi when he did Drag Me to Hell. Sometimes it's nice just to reset in the horror genre, you know? I agree. And obviously I've alluded to my feelings on this movie already. But unlike Chappie, I actually can't get too mad at the movie for that alone. It's just yeah. you really have to judge this one on a curve. Still doesn't pass. But even still, it's like he just wanted to make something in this dark time for creatives. Right. So I, yeah, I have to commend him for actually make putting a movie out. It's impressive to say that he actually did it. Sure. Um, and he made it with a shoestring budget. For the movie to be what it is, right. too. Which is in stark opposition to the way that he's worked his entire career. Yes. He's always had budgets. A horror movie like this, too, like a techno-horror sort of idea, really weird idea on techno-horror, but, like, okay. Like, again, and it makes me think of District 9, where it's like, okay, that's ambitious, that you're actually trying to do this with how, you know, difficult it is to make a movie even close to that right. at this point in time. That being said, all of the COVID movies were bad, Doug Lyman made that movie with Anne Hathaway. Yeah, they were pretty bad. Malcolm and Marie, like, uh, what, what was that horror movie, the Zoom horror movie that they shot? Oh. Host? Was that what it was called? Host? Yeah, that's right. You know, so like, 
again, I was hopeful as hopeful as I could have been, I guess, in 2020, that like good stuff was going to come of this. It's like, oh, maybe we can learn how to shrink everything down and, you know, make movies as a run and gun kind of thing. And this is just another one of the forgettable movies that was made during COVID that we're just never going to talk about again. Yeah, that's the like, weird. Where's the sex lies and videotape? Of the COVID era. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or even uh, like William Friedkin's Bug, you know, where, where's like the self contained thriller set in one location? Yeah. You know, it is just forgettable. Yeah. It just kind of hits on like no emotional level. Uh, I don't think it's good at all. No. I think it's quite bad. It's very bad. It is very, unfortunately. Yeah, I hate to say it, my guy, but yeah, it's quite bad. <laughs> it's quite bad. I was kind of hoping for a, a nice reset for the guy, and like it's just more fucking dull than anything. You know, I, I, so I read a lot of Blomkamp interviews in prep for this, and you know, the first question that an interviewer normally asks of a director whenever he's promoting a movie is like, what were your influences, right? And a lot of times you get the comical Russo brothers answers of like, I was watching 70s paranoia spy thrillers in preparation for Avengers Infinity War, right? But it's always the obligatory, what were your reference points here? What inspired you? And no matter if it was District 9 or Chappie or Gran Turismo, the answer was always the same. I wasn't really thinking about any other movie. I was just making the movie that I wanted to make. And, you know, that is a good attitude, I guess. And I think, like, that attitude can work when you're making something like District 9, which is super transgressive and mm. and almost transcends genre. Yeah, times, You know, yeah. purposely so. You know, it's like a modern kind of gritty sci-fi alien movie. The only thing that it reminded me of on rewatch was Black Hawk Down, like a lot. There's a right. lot, tremendous amount of Black it, Hawk Down. That is true. It has a lot in common with war movies. Yes, I guess. it does. Yeah. Uh, like that, the definitely the Iraq war era war movies. And the music in those movies as well. That that was the I'm like, ooh, that's just like like these Iraq war movies. But right. aside from that, yes, I agree. But this movie was what it became most apparent because he is working within genre, right? Like he is working within horror. It's his first straight horror movie. And, and, but it also has like a weird sci-fi cyberpunk thing. <laughs> oh, and the Vatican are like guys with guns. Black ops priests. Yes. Black ops priests. Black ops priests. Right. Yeah. No, normal job description. <laughs> you fill out on a, on indeed. But it's like, bro, maybe you could have watched the exorcist a couple times before you made this. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this was where it was so apparent to me where it's like the great artists know how to paint a bowl of fruit mm -hmm. and the great filmmakers know how to make a genre movie. And like that kind of separates the great filmmakers from the hacks Sure, is your ability to kind of just strip it down and work within genre. All the great filmmakers work within genre, even if they can transcend it by, you know, bending the rules of it. And uh, this guy just doesn't have any understanding of the rules. And again, I think like that can be awfully charming in something like district nine and Chappie. Here, it's just a fucking slog. Yes. And it's like, you don't know how to scare me. You don't know how to thrill me. You don't know how to intrigue me. When I need just a good old-fashioned jump scare, yeah. you can't deliver the goods. No. And that was the bothersome thing of, of Demonic, you know? It's just not scary. It's just not scary. It's just not scary. It's not thrilling. It's not suspenseful. It's just, it's just you know, there's a horror creature here, but... Man, like even the setup to the creature is not scary. The setup to like the mystery is not scary. Right. It's just, yeah, it's the, like you said, it's well, just, the mystery is like introduced and solved in the same scene. In the same sentence. 
<laughs> they just drop it on you and you're like, huh? <laughs> right. That was hilarious. Right. I'm just like, that is bad storytelling right there. <laughs> Turns out those doctors are black ops priests uh, and they like perform exorcisms with guns. Yeah. That's- <laughs> They're like super spies. <laughs> but like that should be apparent like you're making a movie this small like, like with few resources but you can't help but go into this like stupid actiony sci-fi right. realm which like yeah make that movie as a b movie yeah you exactly. know what i mean i would have been fu- i would have loved that yeah that would have been the shit right but in, but instead we have like sort of a b movie mixed with a pseudo possession movie about a giant crow monster combined with like a matrix simulation thing it's kind of different. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen a movie <laughs> something quite yeah. like it's something. Yeah. It's like, it's a weird mashup of things that don't really belong together, but right. like it's bold in its own way. Right. Even but though ideas removed from genre though. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a simulation movie that has really nothing in common with the matrix. It's an exorcism movie that has nothing in common with the exorcist. Nope. You know? And it's like, I don't need you to rip those movies off, but just like, Understand how a movie like this is supposed to look and supposed to move. Just so you know how to play within that space. And, and then, that's right, the, like, it doesn't mean that you have to follow the rules, no. right? It, it doesn't mean that you can't break them along the way, but at least show me that you know <laughs> how a painting is supposed to look before you subvert it. Well, you get those scenes that where you know how this is supposed to play out and you kind of can see where it, it might it might subvert your expectations. But, like, I think of the scene where the friend comes over and you know exactly where it's going. Right. And I'm expecting something really big and horrific and the best he can do is the crow thing appears in the closet and just sulks out of there awkwardly. Right. It's cause well, she, or she does the, the Reagan walk from exorcist. Yeah, too. It's yeah. like, eh, right. Okay. No, not good enough that we've seen a million, million times. times. Yeah. Right. I'll compliment the movie this way. I actually like the simulation sequences Ooh. and I like how it's animated and I don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but he used this, what's called volumetric capture, which is, you know, essentially like motion capture, mm-hmm. except you're actually shooting the person. You're not just shooting a bunch of snowballs, right? Yeah. So you're able to literally capture the person in three-dimensional space like a hologram almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you get these sequences that are like really laggy or whatever, like the latency is incredibly low. Uh-huh. And, and it looks like, you know, a cut scene from PlayStation 2 or whatever, <laughs> where you can like see through walls because not all of the pixels are there in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, occasionally like you can see through the back of a person's head and see their face much like you would in a laggy video game. When you come back to the doctors and the way they're watching the footage, it just looks like a Sims 3 simulation of them just going up right. the stairs and it, stuff it like does. that. It does. It looks exactly, exactly like the Sims. Again, somehow it's another video game movie. It's another video game movie. He made another one. So crazy. A lot of people hated it. I think it's kind of ugly, obviously, it's but a, yes. but, it, but there's a deliberate nature to it. It's not supposed to look perfect. They even right. say that. Right. So I I'm, I have mixed feelings on it. My my big issue with it more than anything is just it's not unsettling enough. It's just kind of it's not, and it's hyper independent. And obviously, they didn't have the budget to like animate these sequences to the fullest extent. So it doesn't look like Ready Player One, for example. Yeah. I like that though. I kind of like that the that it's not overproduced. Yeah, yeah. I like it's almost like the way that you know matte effects and and stop motion unnerve me in eighties movies or whatever. This was kind of like the CGI equivalent of that. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the technology is just starting to blossom. We 
uh, can't animate these things in like 60 frames per second or whatever. And I don't know, there was like an uncanniness to it that I, I guess it wasn't like unsettling or creepy or scary or anything, but it did kind of feel real and authentic. In a way. Well, it has a hand touch to it that, yeah. that I do like. That's my favorite thing about it. Just It does feel like something that they were sweating over just to make work like even a little bit. Right. So the infidelity is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, a feature, not a bug. Yeah. yeah, and it does kind of give that like weird, like hazy dreamlike quality that you get when you actually have dreams. So yeah. a lot of my dreams kind of look like that. Right. So I somewhat agree some people like despised it and i was i was more okay with it than i thought i was going to be i just wish it like unnerved me more i just wish it was scarier sure but i can say that about the whole movie <laughs> yeah the movie's not scary also like those sequences have no bearing on the plot as no, far as yeah, i can yeah. tell okay i was i was wondering i was gonna ask like what was the ultimate point of a lot of that stuff aside from her to just talk to her mom like that, communicate that was with it her. just the ability to communicate to her that's mom because yeah. she's in a coma but like she goes and communicates with her mom again when they're fighting the demon monster in that abandoned building and it's like he's not in the simulation why why do you have to go into the simulation yeah uh yeah it was <laughs> it wasn't like the demon was inside the computer no which i guess would have been like a cool way to blend the two genres together but all of these things kind of exist in their own silos and are thrown together in this kind of slapdash way. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. So, like, you forget about it pretty quickly when they actually start fighting the Raven monster thing. Right. Which is its own slew of, like, kind of hokey problems, which I just don't like this design. I don't like anything they really do with it. It's, again, also nothing terrifying about it at all. The way she disposes of it is way too obvious. The Holy Lance? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that too. <laughs> The holy hand grenade. <laughs> count to three. Five shall I not count. It's basically that. It's the spear that, that pierced the side of Christ. Is whatever. That, that what yeah, sure. Like, fine. Okay, uh, whatever. Right, fine. Somebody read a book. Congrats. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, good God. Um, no, it's a bad movie. It's yeah, not it's very bad. good. And it's a hard movie to kind of pick on because like- I can't get too mad at it is the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the guy is, you know, going through it in his career at this point. And um, yeah, a movie like this should be a kind of little engine that could- and it just, it's an engine that can't, you know, it just comes careening back down the hill. Yeah. Unfortunately it, it, it doesn't work at all. No, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. work. And I don't care about anybody in the movie, by the way. The relationships are awful. Awful. Yeah. The fakest fucking friendships of all time. It's like these three lifelong friends. That's right. Man. That are so upset when each other die, but like, uh, could have fooled me. Yep. You know, her friend Sam there who gets burned up off screen mm -hmm. in a car is just like a fucking wino that just yeah <laughs> sits by the lake and drinks and gossips with her friend she has quite little reaction to seeing her friend actually burned alive just like yeah. oh no and then she just keeps walking away. <laughs> I do, it just doesn't work I, i'm sorry like i said i don't want to pick on the movie too much but yeah i, I just got to be honest it doesn't work this entire thing is a marketing extravaganza get in the chopper let us get a few shots Doing what? Follow the kids around the track, make some notes, act like an engineer, look cool. There's no <laughs> way I would evaluate race car drivers from a helicopter. It's the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my whole life. I'm not getting in that thing. <laughs> Gran Turismo, colon, based on a true story. <laughs> That is how this movie is being released in cinemas across the country coming up this week.
2023 film, of course, starring David Harbour, Orlando Bloom, Archie Madakwe, and Digimon Hinsu. Mm-hmm. This is Neil Blomkamp's first hired hand movie. Working with an IP, obviously. He didn't yeah. write the script. But you can tell he liked this IP. You certainly can. As we mentioned before, Kaczynski, Joseph Kaczynski, was supposed to direct in, all the way back in 2015. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, Blomkamp kind of comes in at the last second, working with someone else's material. It's his first, like, non-sci-fi movie. As we mentioned, it is based on a true story. I find it very funny, too, that, like, <laughs> Sony just needs to let you know before you buy a ticket, it's not a video game adaptation, all right? It's like they feel so ashamed. Even though it is a video game movie, they feel the need to put based on a true story in the title just to let you know it is actually based on real life. It's a movie here you're going to watch. Oh, I see. It's a real movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're ashamed of video game movies, even though it starts with PlayStation Studios. Right. At the beginning of the movie. I mean, what other explanation is there for putting based on a true story? I don't know. The worst subtitle since based on the novel Push by Sapphire. It's pretty bad. This is not a video game adaptation. Although it is called Gran Turismo, and although there is video game iconography... In the movie, this is based on the real story. Oh, my God. An unbelievable, inspiring, true story of a team of underdogs, a struggling working-class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport exec who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. Gran Turismo. That's right. Um, did I mention it was based on a true story? Yes, yes, you did. You okay. did. Yeah. Even though it's, it's just another video game adaptation. It is a video game movie. Yes, it Certainly. is. If we're talking about the spirit and the ethos of a movie, right. it's a video game movie, guys. Right. Don't yes. let them fool you. This movie was supposed to come out two weeks ago, <laughs> and we had the whole schedule ready. We're going to do our Blomkamp podcast beginning of August. Yes, yes, yes. And then SAG goes on strike. <laughs> All of a sudden, David Harbour and Digimon Hinsu and Orlando Bloom can't hit the media circuit. So Sony's like, I know what we'll do. We don't need stars to promote our movies anymore. <laughs> Let's turn the tables. The audience can promote the movies for us. So we're going to do limited access screenings across the country. Very confident in your movie, are you? Right. We're going to show it to audience members first. We're going to let like PlayStation users get tickets to the movies. and AMC is going to let Stubbs members go see the movies. And then they're going to go on social media or maybe a podcast that they host with their friend. That is true. Yeah, we. I was going to say, I did not go on social media and talk about this movie, but I guess now I sort of am. But no, we are not being paid to like promote this thing like a bunch of influencers. We're going to be honest about it. I'm being paid. Oh, okay. Sorry. So yeah, we caught an early screening to this. So I'll, let's try not to spoil the movie, although there's not really much to spoil because again, it is based on a true story. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we caught an early screener? I think we caught a few early screeners. Yeah, go ahead. Tell the story. Well, I, you know... Excited to see this movie, as I was, as you were, as a, a packed theater was, by the way. I wouldn't call it packed. I it was mostly full. would call it a packed theater. Okay. It wasn't a sold-out theater. It wasn't fucking Barbie, but it was... It was packed. Yeah. It was packed, okay? Right. It was a packed theater. Uh, huge red flag, or shall I say white flag, <laughs> Walk, walking in, because we are greeted to <laughs> a big white error screen projected onto the... <laughs> In the Dolby Theater, by the way. In the Dolby Theater, the best sound you can get. That's what they say. And the blacks are truly black, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do the little uh, pre-roll at the beginning of the movie. 
And it's a black screen, and they go, just to let you know, the projector was still on. No, but this case, it was all white. In this case, it was all white. I didn't even think about that. That's true. <laughs> that would have been funny if they flashed, just to let you know, the projector was still on. And it's like, what's going on here? Oh, um, yeah, we walk into the Dolby screening, and yes, there's a error page from, not kidding you, Windows 95. <laughs> Yeah. It was a screen mirroring page. That's right. Fucking uh, Clippy from Microsoft Word was in the corner. Hopping up and waving hello to us. Letting you know, just in case you need anything, I'm here to answer all your Microsoft Word questions. He was running to get us popcorn. He was. (laughs) White error screen. (laughs) With a cursor on the screen, right? That's right. Not moving. Not moving, which is... Hilarious yeah. that it was not moving, not a once. Right. And of course, you know, we're a little concerned. Right. We're sitting there for like half an hour. And the screen is not, like the cursor has not moved. No, 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 no. Sure. By the way, it feels much longer than it is because, you know, when you're looking at a white screen, it's very boring. It's very boring. It's not a, it's not a very compelling movie. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, this is a Wednesday night. I had other plans. I was doing <laughs> oh, other yeah, things. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> you were very upset to leave those other plans. I was it. at basketball. I was at the park playing pickup basketball, and I had to leave the game. I had to leave the court all sweaty and go see Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. They're like, where are you going? Going to see Gran Turismo. I had to like sulk out. I didn't really tell him. I'm just like, I have plans. <laughs> I couldn't let him know. I was doing an early screening of Gran Turismo. God. I'm helping pr- Sony promote the film. SAG's on strike. It's tough times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're sitting in the screening and everybody's like, what the hell's going on? You know, we're, we're chatting with our neighbors being like, what's happening here? Meanwhile, I have a bowl of popcorn that I am about halfway done with. Yep. Still enjoying the white screen. It's a very compelling white screen. Lady comes in. She's like a young girl. I shouldn't call her a lady. She's like 17. She's like a kid. She's just an AMC employee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And she's like, so we're working on it. It'll be 30 minutes. It'll be 30 minutes. It's now 730. The screening was at seven. Mm-hmm. And we, all right, well, we got to wait this out. At the very least, we have fucking popcorn. Yeah, basically. It's like, all right, well, it's something. I, I will say this. One of the most memorable theatrical experiences I've ever had. I suppose. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, half hour goes by the poor girl comes back in they sent the same girl twice to do the same job yeah why did they do that well the cursor is not moved I kept saying like at least jiggle the cursor around you pretend like pretend you're doing- like you're working on it you hit a couple buttons make it look like something's happening nothing nothing she comes back in yeah movie can't play <laughs> get out of here we'll give you your refunds at the desk just wait in line for another half hour yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and then we had to go back the next day and do it all over again. Yep. <laughs> For Gran Turismo. It's right. the most effort I've put into seeing a movie this year. Two trips to the theater. Good God. But I, we got there. We saw the movie. We did. We did. And I mean, I wouldn't say that it's worth sitting in a theater for an hour staring at a white screen. No, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. I'm not sure... It justifies two hours and 15 minutes. This movie is way too long for what it is. It's quite long. But it's his best film since District 9. Uh, I understand what you're saying. It is. It just is. My counterpoint is Chappie exists. Oh, yes, that's right. Chappie. I understand what you're saying. The greatest movie ever made, Chappie. (laughs) No, I mean, like, it is the most paint-by-numbers, inoffensive, just Gets in, gets out, does the job. Well, I mean, gets out kind of at a slow pace. Yeah. But 
I, I think I said to you walking out of the theater, like this is a perfect two and a half star movie. Yeah, it's so average. It is it, out of 10, 5.00000 to an infinite number of decimal places. You know, it, I've never had this with a mediocre movie before. You know, it's like, I get very defensive if someone says like Fury Road sucks. Right. It's like, no, you're wrong, and I want to shake you, and I don't usually do that. Sure. And sometimes I'm that way with bad movies. Like, no, that thing's a piece of shit, and here's why. Right. But I don't know whatever you could be talking about. It's the first time where I'm like, if you hate it or you love it, I'm like, no. Right. No, guys, yes. stop it. It's- you must acknowledge this is straight down the middle yes. average. Yeah, exactly. Straight down the fucking middle. Exactly. The racing sequences are all right. Yeah, they're fine. They're fun enough. Yeah. They're okay. If you are concerned with Barbie's corporatism and concerned with like the way that that movie makes fun of Mattel while also earning Mattel a billion dollars at the box office and you feel kind of icky about the capitalist implications of buying a ticket to the movie, uh, do I have a movie for you? That is just a fucking two-hour, 15-minute advertisement for Sony products. <laughs> I mean, it is Which, crazy. Like, And as we said before with Chappie, it's like the bad guys are right in this movie. Yes. Kids, don't play video games for 20 hours a day. Like, his dad is right. Go play soccer. Yes, that was... I was like, get out of the house. I was like, why are they treating it like this is a bad thing? Yes, go and get out of... Like, right. I, I play my fair share of video games, but the dad's absolutely right. It's, there's yeah. no, and anybody, even gamers, I think would agree that the guy, that the dad's kind of right. That's right. I, I think there's a lot of gamers that are going to take up what this kid tries to take up. Seriously. Yeah. Right. I get that it's an underdog story, but it's the most ridiculous underdog story I think I've ever seen. No, listen, I'm not saying like video games. I'm not being fucking like Nancy Reagan about this, but it's like, he's not a race car. Video games driver. aren't great for you and it's probably not a good way to learn how to drive <laughs> that, you know it's probably games, not smart video games aren't bad for you they just have to take them in moderation That's right. just like yes, anything there else you go. Yeah. like anything else sure but, but taking it seriously as a way to learn to drive it's just so dumb right it's like it's a one in a million chance and that's why they told this story it's an interesting enough story yes yeah but like you can't apply this to everything. Like at least Rocky was a boxer. Sure. <laughs> at least he did a sport. Yes. Right. At least he was like an athlete. That, yes. Yeah. Tried, <laughs> right. At least he was an athlete. Tried doing something truly yeah. great. That's a great point. Yeah. You, know? you forgot the part that they're fucking athletes. <laughs> I was thinking to myself. So they go to like the GT camp or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the training grounds. All these people do simulations of the Gran Turismo video game, and then the highest scores go to this academy, and they slowly whittle it down until one person is representing Sony and Nissan, as Orlando Bloom says in this movie, Nissan. Uh, at an actual race, at an actual speedway. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, why are all of these gamers skinny? You know what I mean? Why are they all in such good shape? There's a few that are a, a little too good looking for their own good. Exactly. Like, you know, like if you're literally in an academy of the most obsessive gamers in the world, not all of them are going to have movie star looks. Yes. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Yeah. So like this movie in a movie year filled with like product based movies yeah. and like yeah. really cynical mining of IP out of like fucking Beanie Babies and Tetris. I mean, this one is really bad. Like there are fucking 
HP logos Everywhere. and Microsoft logos and like the Sony Walkman plays like a plot role in this movie. It, it informs a character. It yes. forms part of an arc. Right. Weirdly. Yes, the Walkman. It's like, oh, this great company. And then they show you like the genius in Japan that designed all this shit. And he's like God, right? Like he created the greatest simulation that the world has ever seen. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is like fucking dystopic shit right here, man. This is not good. No, no it's not. It's, it's this upsetting. is not going to fly now. You know, This is not running up the fucking steps in Philadelphia. But it, I don't know. As far as a commercial, it's a good commercial. It's yeah, you could do a lot worse. It's it's fun enough. That's it. If you're just looking to waste time for two hours, this will do the job. Yes. Everything you expect it to be, it is, and everything you want it to be, it more or less is. Yeah, it's just if yeah, it's a movie where cars are going fast. <laughs> Boy, do they go fast. It's a movie about driving. Yeah, it's it's, it's a movie about driving. Boy, do those drone shots look good, I guess. <laughs> so many drone shots. A lot of drone shots. What did you think of the video game graphics that they put on top of the races? <laughs> Police officer evaded. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. That is worse than Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. <laughs> if you're gonna bill it as a video game movie, you kind of have to play around with it a little bit. I, I don't. I didn't think it like it was think, overbearing. No, I wouldn't say it was overbearing. And it's 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 weirdly it's it's done through character. Yeah, which is something I didn't quite expect. It just looks so tacky, and it does look lame, tacky. But it does kind of help orient you in the race itself too because it has to slow down which it, right they do like freeze frames he's in fourth he's in third and yeah it is kind of cheesy but like there's a bit of me that's like there must be a better way to do that but i understand why you're doing it it's not a total failure yeah i'll say this it's certainly the best way to introduce like the literal video game elements from gran turismo into a live action movie because th this has been done before and it's Always horrible. Mm -hmm. There's a movie called uh, House of the Dead directed by Uva Ball, which is the worst thing ever made, mm -hmm. where they literally intersplice shots from the video game in that movie. Oh, and House of the Dead, the original, is not a good-looking game by today's standards. Yeah, It's quite dated. So when it cuts to those shots of those zombies being shot, woof, tis bad, man. Tis really bad. But I got to be honest, like, I think I like it more in this, though. Yeah. No, I think it's okay. I think like everything in the car for the most part, it's a very loud movie. Very loud it's movie. It's actually a pretty good theater movie. I'm, I'm not saying like run out and see it opening weekend. But like if you can catch a matinee or something or maybe like a half off Tuesday screening and like it's worth it. It's, it's a decent time at the movies and it will pay off seeing it with a surround sound sound system even as a date movie. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. There is a romance in this though. It's horrible. I mean, you think Elysium was underdeveloped. Like, this one is rough. Yeah, it's rough. It's <laughs> I really think good. I turned to you midway and I'm just like... Nice chemistry. Sizzling hot chemistry S over sparks. there. Sparks. I feel the sparks hitting my face coming off the screen right now. Yeah, perfect casting, those two. Oof, it is rough. Yeah, it's not good. It's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. But the... the, the <laughs> It's not the worst video game movie adaptation I've, I've seen. It's a very interesting adaptation because it's sort of a biographical movie and a video game adaptation. I, I've never seen that approach before. Like, cool, fine. Which is the way that you do it, by the way. This is the correct way to do it, as opposed to, let's get into the ethos of the fucking Gran Turismo game. Let's get under the hood, so to speak, both figuratively and literally. You... <laughs> 
It's like, I don't it's want like, to- let's get into the psyche of G.I. Joe. It's like that never fucking works, except for when no. Greta Gerwig did it with Barbie. No, no. You know, and I am happy that they at least grounded this in real people. Well, it's Gran Turismo. It's, yes. it's it's just a racing sim. There's not much to it. Right. So if you're going to adapt Gran Turismo for some godforsaken reason, you have to come at it with a more interesting aim. Right. Because it doesn't, there's not much else to it. So they at least give these actors something to chew on. Yeah. Beyond like, you're a CPU in a video game and this is your motivation. Like, they let David Harbour, and he's good in it, by the way. David Harbour is actually really fun as the like coach, the former race car driver. And, you know, they get to do, like, you know, loud sports movie things. Sure, yeah. And it's like, at least these are human beings, although it is a bit trite and and uh, well-worn territory. Very much so, yeah. It's Yeah, it's good enough. It's, it's fine. good. It's good enough, yeah. It's fine. It is fine, yes. Yeah. Yeah. If they ever do a Counter-Strike movie, it would take the exact same approach. Mm. And it'd have to be, like, the best Counter-Strike player. And then you cut to shots where it's, like, in the video game, people are shooting each other and shit like that. It'd just be the same thing. Right. So maybe we... Uh, hire Neil Blomkamp to do Counter Strike. I'm glad that he finally got to make his video game movie. Yes, I feel like it's not even as much of a video game movie though as some of his other movies. <laughs> like, it's the, oh god, no! I actually agree. With it you. might not be his most video gamey movie. No, uh, I don't know. Maybe like, uh, I, listen, I never want to root for this in a director's career, but maybe like a couple years as a hired hand wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. With his screenwriting chops, I think it's the only direction <laughs> yeah. he needs to take. You know, I, I want him to be making original stories. Like, I always want guys to break free of the IP hellscape, but... It's just, it's hard to find that voice that directs, that also writes his own original material. It's like, yeah. you know, right? It's, it's a tough thing to come by. Sure is. Sure is. It's not just tough to come by. It's hard for them to sustain that energy. Because you have a lifetime to make your first movie and like two years to make your second, as the cliche always goes, you know? And then they sweep you up. Right. That's the the most discouraging thing. I always think of Ryan Coogler. And I think in some cases, too, they get you while you're down. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? It's like after a big fall, it's like, all right, now come to the IP factory. Yeah, and that's... Tell us, do you have a take on fucking Hungry Hungry Hippos? Are they actually doing Hungry Hungry Hippos? Oh, they're making them all! Oh, my God. What did you think, by the way, of the... Well, this is somewhat of a spoiler, but the crash where someone dies, the kid crashes, they played around with reality a little bit there because the climax at the 24 hours in Le Mans happens at the end of this movie. In real life, the Le Mans race was before the fatal crash that the race car driver was involved in. So they kind of frame it as this roadblock along the way. You have to overcome this to truly achieve greatness. Whereas in real life, it was just like an accident that doesn't fit snugly into a movie narrative. Part of me thinks that they were doing it to like circumvent the criticism. Like, yeah, this guy is such a hero. Did you also know that he killed somebody? Sure. But in the process of doing that, they sort of took advantage of the moment in a way that's still pretty icky right it's not the worst thing i've ever seen because at least they it's not like he did the crash and they don't acknowledge the fact that he killed somebody right but they don't focus any attention literally on the victim themselves you don't you don't even see the person that died right it's just mentioned like yeah Yeah. you killed somebody yeah which i mean i don't need that either like it's like the oppenheimer criticism of why didn't you show the japanese it's like well that fucking that's not the point of the no no no. yeah no i like no real winning in that scenario is my point yeah it's a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of thing 
the way they did the crash is spot on. Yes. I even showed you a video prior to us watching the movie. It, right. it looks exactly the same. They recreate the same angle too. Like they recreated it perfectly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at least they did it and at least they acknowledge that this is actually kind of a dangerous thing. Yes. But never do they go as far to say a video gamer should not be a race car driver because real people can die. Yes. They just go, ah, accidents happen, but it's still worth it. Yeah. It's like, because it's for the good of Nissan. <laughs> That's what we're doing this for, for the good of Nissan. Come off it, kid. Do we want to talk about Orlando Bloom for about five seconds? I told you. It should have been Charlito Copley. Yeah. Not a fan of what Orlando's doing in this movie? He's all right. Yeah, he's fine. He's in his own movie, kind of. He's having fun. He's having fun. Every time he says Nissan, though, I want it to jump out of my skin. <laughs> nice to see him having a good time. Sure, sure. It's been a while. Yeah. Anyway, that's our hearty endorsement of Crinterism. <laughs> it's, it, our endorsement is it's fine. If you got nothing better to do, check it out. Uh, okay. Um, I wish I had a veto. God, I wish I had a veto. You, but you would actually try to I put would. Chappie in? I would. It's my favorite movie on the list. It is. It's it's my favorite movie on the list. Yikes. I, I'm not being ironic about it. I'm really not trying. And I wish I had a veto, but I don't have a veto. And I guess we have to go with District 9. But I, I could just make a, a plea to you. Please, good sir, can we put Chappie in? <laughs> I love it. I fucking love that guy. You dude. don't love it. I do love it. You, it's fake love. You I just, think it's so goddamn entertaining. It's entertaining. <laughs> it's so entertaining that movie. We were talking it about. Is, this. I mean, it's kind of a practical joke. Like Blomkamp is kind of pranking the public. I don't know if he is. He pranking the public. I, I said it already. He's just playing with his toys. I have access to these weirdos over here. I want to play with them. That's it. That's all it is. Here we were talking about this the other day. I think when Nick was asking the question to like get distinguishing between the best movie and your favorite, you know, District Nine's a better movie than Chappie. I mean, yeah, yeah I guess. Yes, it is. <laughs> you you're never winning a debate on on the grounds of Chappie. Just love fucking Chappie, dude. I hate the movie. I really hate. If the I movie. had a veto, I would use it, but uh, I can't. No, I'm glad. Sucks to suck. District Nine's going in. <laughs> you hurt me, Adam. I don't care. I'm glad I you hurt, hurt you. You hurt me. I'm glad Much I hurt like you. like Daddy hurt Chappie and Chappie. <laughs> <sighs> no one cares about me. Just like no one cares about fucking Chappie, dude. Mommy cares about you. Mommy does. Mommy does. Mommy loves you. Mommy somehow made a Chappie t-shirt in between getting Chappie and getting killed at the end of Chappie. Yeah, that's right. She's wearing a Chappie t-shirt. A little stencil work there. I think they have like their own t-shirt maker. They must because how else would they get pictures of their own faces on their t-shirts to wear? Those are some popular gangsters. What is it with these gangsters in movies that just love kung fu shit? Why do they have morning stars? Why do they have nunchucks? Why do they have size? They also have impeccable haircuts. Why does it feel like they're always wearing pajamas? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah. There's so much glass around there. They, right. they, we see them break these bottles. Right. It's very dangerous. It was giving me anxiety. They're going to cut their feet. Right. They just want to stay comfortable. I guess they do. As they prepare for their heist. I love I love their pink guns and their yellow <laughs> M16s and and whatnot. <laughs> My favorite thing about the movie is that little robot in Deb Patel's room that says, "Hello, master. I'll make you some coffee. 
I like that robot. That guy's the little guy's cool. I want, yeah, he's cool. I want that guy. He's cool. He's a good little robot. I mean, he's not as cool as Chappie. <sighs> Chappie has a fucking tattoo with like a, a kid with a big dick. There's a lot of dicks in this movie. A lot of dicks in the movie, but like someone just draws a dick on Chappie. See, Nico's in, in his head subtly trying to make me come to the side of Chappie right now. He's failing. What can I possibly say? He's failing miserably. What can I say to make this happen? What can I say to get you out of here today? <laughs> in Chappie. In Chappie. <laughs> he could drive off the lot right now. If you could produce to me right now in that cupboard an actual Diamford album, then maybe I'll be like, that. that's a bold move right there. Sir. I am going to be at a wedding this weekend, and I think I'm going to request some Diamford from the DJ. I'm going to slip him like a... $50 bill because that's what I'll need to get fucking D-Envert on the playlist. Oh, you stole my idea. I'm doing that for my wedding. D-Envert? <laughs> I know. I'm requesting like you can make whatever suggestion you want, but these people you need to pay for. Oh, you put like a menu. I get money. Oh, not bad. Like the Beatles is like two bucks. No, no, no. Beatles is free. Beatles is free. Totally free. Uh, Taylor Swift is $100. Oh, wow. $100. Is it really worth it? I, I like that. You have to do the calculus in your head. You'll make me happy to hear Taylor Swift. Right. That's not bad. I like that idea. Yeah. D'Anford, baby. D'Anford is $1,000. <laughs> I fucking love them, dude. Stop the Ninja. wedding. We're watching Chappie. Nico donated $200,000. <laughs> this wedding has become a rep screening for Chappie. <laughs> Everybody gather around. Everybody. We're going to learn why AI isn't so bad after all. <laughs> I just love it. It's just such the inverse of RoboCop. I just love it. It's so funny. <sighs> it's so funny. It's like, hey, robots can be humans too. <laughs> all right. That's a podcast. There's Blom Camp. Let's never talk about this man again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next movie. That he makes. I don't know what he's making. Yeah, well, District 10, maybe. Ooh, if this ooh. movie makes money, if Gran Turismo makes money, you never District know. District 10. I'd see District 10. You never know. I would go and see District 10 right now. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. We love you. We'll be back next week with a little Paul W.S. Anderson. Then we're off to TIFF. Yeah. And the next pod after that will be our Tales from TIFF from the first film festival you and I have ever gone to. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, that'll be a good time. I'm quite pumped. And then who knows after that? We got some plans for the rest of the year. We'll let you know as the shows come closer. Mm -hmm. And we love you. Yeah. And we love Neil Blomkamp. Uh, and we love Chappie. Uh, and until next time. Goodbye, Neil Blomkamp. <laughs>